This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning. This is the morning run. You're with Julian Joyce and Sharitz. And looking into some of the uh, local news, Human Resources Minister M. Kulasigaran launched Malaysia's first national wage index yesterday. He said that the index will be a useful market indicator to set wages for workers alongside other economic uh, indices like the Consumer Price Index and the Productivity Index. Yeah, so this index is based on the participation of about 3,000 private sector firms nationwide and is a culmination of a two-year study by the Human Resource Ministry. This index, it will cover 169 types of jobs that makes uh, about 80% of the main occupations in Malaysia. Yeah, so the Minister also said that the index could be used as workers' associations to increase collective bargaining power and added that the index is not compulsory and functions more as a guide but stressed that it encompasses entire industries and as such it's more accurate. And prior to the index, employers also use their own benchmarks to determine employees' productivity and subsequent wage increases. One thing we were curious about is whether uh, using this index should be made compulsory instead of merely a guide because it could possibly cause um, some dip- dispute between boss and worker. So uh, we asked Dr. Shamshuddin Bardan, president of the Malaysia Employers Federation, about this. We already have the national wages council where we have the national minimum wages being set by that particular council and uh, and of course this index later on can be used by the council to see what should be the minimum basic salary so in that sense it can be helpful to actually look into the viability and also the sustainability of whatever minimum wages that uh, the council may decide for the country. And, and, and that is important. But on the other hand, of course, uh, just uh, looking at the index alone without uh, linking it to the productivity growth can be not good for the country because uh, when, when we talk about uh, review of wages, that has to be backed up by productivity growth. If wages growth is not being linked to productivity, then uh, we will reach a stage where basically the competitiveness of the industry will be much affected. And at the end of the day, your labor costs increase, but your productivity remains lacking behind. And in that sense, of course, uh, the company's productivity and uh, the company's uh, competitiveness will be very much affected. Uh, if the business is no longer viable, then of course that company may have to, to cease doing business. Yeah? From the employer's side, we speak to Abdul Halim Manso, the president of the Malaysian Trade Union Congress, MTUC, to get his thoughts about whether and how a national wage index would be useful to employees. So I'd like to introduce to the ministry that amend the uh, I mean, Employment Act in 1985 by instead that annual increment should be given to the workers every year by company performance by workers' performance and based on national wage index. Then only the index will be usable. If not, it will not really be a material to justify that the workers will receive their increment based by the national wage index. That is from what you know, MTC reaction because we, we, we do not find anything that it is going to be a compulsory because you cannot make the management to impose or to be responsible or to be obligation to pay annual increment.
unless you have the law to say that. As Abdul Halim Manso, president of the Malaysian Trades Union Congress, uh, weighing in on the NWI and also to balance out the views earlier from uh, Dato Shamsuddin Baden, president of the Malaysia Employers Federation. So that's this boss and staff basically talking through proxies, you know. and is this dangerous, guys, uh, if uh, with the suggestion of the NTUC that uh, this is made compulsory, is, is there then a danger of just over-reliance on the index? I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I don't have a view on this. Uh, it really depends on whether the index is going to be accurate, right? Yeah, definitely. Whether the data is accurate and, and whether, you know, when it comes to increments, I think it should also be based on merit and productivity of um, the the staff and, and also looking at the company as a whole, uh, you know, just to make it compulsory, um, whether or not that might also, I mean, because there are bound to be some bad apples in the basket and whether that will fuel, you know, Deadwood or people who don't perform but they think that they deserve an increment just because the index says so. Yeah, and again, it's, this is also that case of a chicken and egg, whether or not should you increase the you know the wages first and then uh, have the employees to sort of uh, you know fulfill that productivity level, or you know you. Do <laughs> <laughs> so the the question is whether uh, they're not it. they're not productive right now because they're not paid well. No, right? but yeah. when you say productivity again, uh, there there is that case here in Malaysia where we are still reliant on heavy muscle rather than machinery or technology. Modernization has been spoken about for quite some time. Yeah, exactly. And actually, this relates to this other story that uh, we came across. Uh, our attention of Free Malaysia Today ran an article about how we could expect uh, to see more Malaysians working overseas, right? And so uh, we roped in O.E. Sun, senior fellow at the think tank of Singapore Institute of International Affairs, to weigh in on this issue. I think uh, the main concern is actually uh, as compared to even countries such as uh, Vietnam and and so on, the up-and-coming countries, uh, we have uh, relatively low productivity, which also then uh, leads on to uh, lower wages. You see, they are, in, in, in general, uh, our productivity uh, may not be satisfactory and therefore uh, employers uh, tend to pay uh, lower wages. So if you are somebody who is more productive than your peers, you, know, you are not satisfied the local uh, relatively low uh, wages, you might move on to... Uh, other countries or other regions and places where you think uh, you get a higher pay uh, which uh, would commensurate with your uh, productivity, albeit uh, in more, uh, shall we say, menial uh, jobs. So low productivity in general leading to, uh, well, low wages in general. I think that's one uh, problem. That's O.E. Sun from the Singapore Institute of International Affairs weighing in on the issue of low productivity in Malaysia. And also, uh, that could be one of the reasons why uh, the remainder of the workers here in Malaysia are low productivity because the good ones have left, right, as the FMT article is uh, trying to point out. Yes, um, in leaving the country is... is you know, it, it, with regards to uh, getting higher wages, I think this is this is quite uh, you know it's quite common. We've heard where people were willing to work in factories, for an example, just to get. I mean, they're willing to settle down because wages are higher and perhaps uh, quality of life is 
perhaps better as well. Yeah, I think they feel that the quality of life is better. I know a friend who moved to um, Adelaide in Australia just to be a meatpacker and he thinks he says there's enough for him to uh, own a house and have a car and his kids go to... I mean, to him, he thinks education is better. Uh, he doesn't need to send to a private school and just the whole quality of life is better. But um, when it comes to the actual job, he has no issues packing meat. Yeah, this this is so-called uh, economic migrants, right, uh, that we hear of so often. Uh, but this is... We're, we're talking about... Um, Thailand and Vietnam, right? Malaysians leaving for those countries. Like, let's be honest and let's face it. We used to look down on this country as, you know, being poorer than Malaysia, being less competitive than Malaysia. And now uh, they are very, very promising economies and a lot yeah. of people are actually moving there for jobs. And this is going to become the, the classic uh, middle-income case, uh, middle-income trap for mm-hmm. Malaysia. Yeah, a childhood friend of mine moved to Vietnam and started a business there and he thinks that it's he has a better opportunity opportunity there to thrive than in Malaysia and he settled down there. He married a Vietnamese um, lady. Okay, still on the issue of wages uh, and uh, help uh, help for your income, the government will expand the Bantuan Sara Hidup cash aid to allow low-income single people by giving them 100 ringgit at the end of uh, next month. Now, previously, the cash aid was only allocated to households earning below 4,000 ringgit monthly who are eligible for the 300 cash aid. So how much this is going to cost, the finance minister Lim Guan Eng is uh, in a statement. Now he said that it will cost uh, around 300 million ringgit aimed to benefit more than 300 million, sorry, 3 million people. The Bantu Sarahido program is a continuation of the now defunct BRIM giving cash assistance to B40. Yeah, so um, looking at this, I mean, some people have uh, pushed back on this. Uh, Rambau MP Kari Jamaluddin stated in a Facebook post that Pakatan should reinstate BRIM cash aids. Uh, BRIM was 450 ringgit for single individuals who qualified. And uh, K- uh, KJ added that, you know, no money should not be an excuse because the 2019 budget allocation stood at around 316 billion ringgit. Actually, um, giving aid is one thing, but the ease of getting the aid is also another mm-hmm. thing because uh, Otusan's front page uh, today highlights uh, how much of a torment it is to apply for the aid. Uh, the elderly say it's difficult because they have to look for their marriage certificate and their birth certificate. I mean, I, I don't know where my certificates are. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I just got married two years ago, so I still have that somewhere around. But my BC, I, I don't know where that is. So you would think that in this digital age, right, that um, the government would have all the information already because the Inland Revenue Board, remember, they say that they have all the information. They know where our money is flowing in and out. Bank Nagara has all our, our data as well. So you would think that they'll have our birth set and marriage set data as well. Yeah, so I think this is probably, I think we're trying to relate with those who are in the rural and underserved communities, the elderly. But it's really sad, you know, dimension kicks in and you're being, you've been you've been asked for all these things it's 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 a, it's a tragic yeah but i think it's also good that this is done uh, no doubt uh, the, the amounts have decreased uh, but uh, this adds to just helping out giving out a helping hand for uh, the uh, downtrodden should i say uh, including recently uh, you know setting up of micro houses uh, to help uh, house people okay uh, we'll be coming back with news from Brussels, malaysia stay tuned bfm 89.9 Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.